Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Buffalo Bills fans, welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to find your podcasts. My name is John Boccasino, being joined, of course, as always by Jamie D'Amico here on the podcast, giving you our thoughts on the Buffalo Bills. And uh, this week we are pleased to do a breakdown of a position that I think a lot of Bills fans have some consternation about. Uh, moving forward, it is the defensive end position and the state of the defensive ends. There is a lot of uncertainty uh, with the Buffalo Bills, especially starting off with Shaq Lawson, uh, who is somebody whose fifth year option was turned down. There's Jerry Hughes, who has really performed quite well in this role, but he's getting up there in age and you know he might not have much of a future with the team moving forward. Uh, there's Trent Murphy, who is a lightning rod for criticism. Uh, With his contract and his underperformance, although he did bring it in the playoff game last year. Um, So really, Jamie, I know I threw a lot at you to start, but there's a lot of I feel like the biggest word to describe and the best word to describe the defensive ends right now is uncertainty, because it doesn't seem like this is a group that is going to be together, you know, for for years to come. It's not a group that has really. Um, overperformed or exceeded expectations. And there's a lot of moving parts that might not be back in 2020. So with that all being said, what are your thoughts on the defensive ends as we stand right now? The defensive ends, I really went back and forth on them this past year. You know, you saw Shaq Lawson, he kind of he kind of brought it more than he did in the past, getting himself six and a half sacks and leading the defensive ends in that charge. Yet at the same time, it felt like as a group, they disappeared, especially at important points during games. You know, you'd, you'd see the other team marching down in the fourth quarter and you'd be like, if we could only get a sack here and nothing, not, not even not even a quarterback hit happening. So there, there was there's definitely improvement that I feel like needs to be made. So how do we go about it? Well, that that's a conversation for another time, but. I I think for me, the disappearance of the defensive end position at times during the season really stuck in my craw. And I I feel like that's going to severely hurt their grade as we move forward in this conversation. Yeah, there's no doubt about it that if the Bills had more of a pass rushing threat from the defensive end, boy, what a luxury that would be to take the pressure off and uh, and give you know when the when the when the quarterbacks do throw the ball downfield you know that you've got lockdown Trey White you've got Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer as one of the best 
most underappreciated safety tandems in the league. But if you add that pass rush component where a quarterback goes from having three seconds to throw the ball to the open receiver to two and a half or two and a quarter because the edge rusher is really getting after the quarterback, that makes Leslie Frazier's defense that much more you know, dynamic. And it, it again, leads to more turnover opportunities, leads to a shortened field, which of course helps this sometimes uh, starved for scoring offense that the Buffalo Bills have be in a better position to put points on the board. And I know that every team out there, Jamie, is looking for that talented edge rusher and uh, the Buffalo Bills are are jumping right in line with the best of the playoff teams. No one out there has enough pass rushing and pass rushers who can improve their defense. So I feel like we're, when it comes down to this position, it all starts with Shaq Lawson. It all starts with his future, in, in my you know humble opinion, because I think he is a domino that once we know what's up with Shaq moving forward, I think the rest of the pieces will fall into place for the defensive ends. I personally have been in the camp since day one where I want the Bills to find a way to re-sign Shaq Lawson. Now, I don't know what the market's going to bear out for a contract. People that are smarter than myself have gone through and crunched the numbers, and I have seen anywhere from three years, $22.5 million, uh, with about 9 or $10 million guaranteed, up to three years and $27 million um, with up as many as $15 million guaranteed money uh, for Shaq Lawson, which really would put him somewhere in the top 10, uh, out, just outside the top 10, I think at the, at the highest of those contract projections. But in my opinion, if the money makes sense, the Bills have the money to spend right now. We've talked about their free agents down the road that they need to lock up, like Deion Dawkins and Trey White and Matt Milano, I feel like bringing Shaq Lawson back should be a priority for this Bills regime. Again, if the money is right for, uh, you know, to quote Bob Barker, if the price is right. He came around last year and we've seen steady improvement. Now, when he was drafted by the Buffalo Bills, Rex Ryan was at the helm as the head coach and Lawson was put into a position that he had never played before and was really miscast. They set him up as an outside linebacker, not what Shaq Lawson is. He's a hand in the dirt defensive end. And that really kind of got him off to a rough start. And we've seen the steady improvement, as we've said. And this past year, he had the best stats of any of the Bills defensive ends. Now, most people will, they'll tell you that Jerry Hughes is the Bills best DE, but Shaq Lawson kind of took the reins this past year, but the question is, for your best defensive end, is it good enough? And I don't know where I fall on that, but looking at his history, I have to wonder, is it somebody who really put it together because his ego was hurt and he wants to do what's best for the team, or was it that uh, he knew he was going to be a free agent, so now he's going to start playing hard. I, I'm always concerned about players that play substantially better in their free agent-to-be season. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think he turned it on because of the situation, 
or is he just getting better? You know, Jamie, that's a good question uh, to be bringing up here on Believe. I know a lot of, you know, we, we did a pretty in depth dive at Jordan Phillips, the defensive tackle who had been signed to a one year, four and a half million dollar contract, and then went out and had a career year, a banner year with nine and a half sacks from the DT position. And I think the consensus among all of us was that, you know, Jordan Phillips, thanks for the memories. Thanks for riling up the crowd at the home games. Thanks for your inspirational cleats and representing Bill's mafia. But, you know, I don't want to pay him $17 million a year. I think Jordan Phillips is a case of somebody who overachieved in his contract year. I'm sure that's motivation for a lot of these players. It has to be, they want to get that big payday. They don't know how many prime years they have left in the league, but To me, I think Shaq Lawson is a different case than Jordan Phillips. I think Jordan Phillips succeeded because of the cast of characters around him and because of the fact that Shaq Lawson is better situationally. Now, it's not fair to compare Shaq and Jordan because they're different players with different skill sets out there. Don't take that as what my my take is. But my take is I feel Shaq was motivated by the burn of not having the fifth-year option picked up. But you also, everything you read out of One Bill's drive was Shaq wasn't bulking. He wasn't wasn't sulking about the fact that he didn't get this fifth-year option. He was putting in work. He added muscle. uh, He added added really cool components to his, his game, mostly being a dependable run stopper. You know, I look at one of the games for me, Jamie, that stands out the most is the Baltimore Ravens game uh, where Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram and the really high flying Ravens came to town. And Shaq Lawson was just a beast out there when it came to shutting down the run game, when it came to containing Lamar Jackson. I know Jackson threw for three touchdowns, but he wasn't doing the damage with his legs that we were expecting to see. Uh, based on his MVP season. I think a lot of that has to come from what Shaq Lawson did on the field. He really stepped up his game as a run stopper. Um, He was by far, I feel like, the Bills' best uh, run defender, especially amongst the edge players uh, last year. And I really, like like I said, I keep looking at that game against the Ravens with what he did as being his coming out party you know, six and a half sacks, nothing to, to to laugh at or scoff at. His ability to stop the run makes him a valued member of this defense. And that's why I really do feel like he's someone who, if you reward him with a three, maybe a four-year contract that puts him in the top 12 to 15 at his position, I think he's not going to disappoint. He's not going to turn to a Marcel Darius who turns into a boat captain and a pot-loving dude who forgets <laughs> how to get after the quarterback. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and you mentioned the six and a half sacks. And just to give our listeners a rundown of all of his stats, he had uh, 32 combined tackles to go with, um, let's see, it was 13 tackles for loss and 18 quarterback hits. That's a pretty good season. As, as sacks are a little bit of an overrated statistic, quarterback hits and pressures are really just as, or if not more important than. Uh, than the sack numbers. Now, when it comes to the defensive end, we we can't talk about that right defensive end position without also talking about Trent Murphy. Now, John, Trent Murphy is not living up to his contract. He's making what nine million dollars a year. His um, his first year in Buffalo, he missed a lot of games. This past year, he was on the field quite a bit for 
Uh, boy, he got over 50% of the snaps and he was invisible out there. He wasn't good against the run and he didn't get to the quarterback. He gets a low grade from me. What, what are your thoughts on Trent Murphy? Yeah, you know, here's here's the thing about Trent Murphy. I, I originally liked the signing when Buffalo brought him in. He was a guy coming off of an injury. He was coming off of uh, some disappointing seasons, but he also had some talent with with Washington, and I thought that he was, uh, you know, uh, again, you, you're going to have to pay a premium to bring in really good defensive ends in this league. And the contract that Murphy signed, you know, his three-year deal wasn't outrageous, but now when you look at it with almost a $10 million cap hit um, versus, you know, the numbers out here, if the Bills cut him, they're only going to take on a $1.75 million dead cap charge. I, to, to me, Trent Murphy underperformed. He definitely has been a disappointment. I would part ways with Trent Murphy and use that money to bring back Shaq Lawson. And look, it's not an original thought of mine that Trent Murphy has been underperforming. I do want to give credit where credit's due. There's a really good article that our very own Bruce Exclusive put up a while back earlier this winter where he kind of echoes what we've been talking about, about Shaq Lawson and his value. And, you know, the, 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 and I, Jamie, I want to get your thoughts on this. You know, we agree that Trent Murphy has underperformed. Bruce, and I, and I agree with this, says that the Bills should re-sign Shaq Lawson given a caveat of getting rid of Trent Murphy's contract and, again, using that money and rolling it over um, to pay Shaq. So if you do that for me, if you re-sign Shaq Lawson, if you cut Trent Murphy – and then let's say you use the draft, you know, who knows? I mean, the Bills at 22, we haven't even done any of our draft predictions. We still have plenty of offseason to go. But with pick 22, the Bills could easily tackle their edge rushing problems and go out there and bring in somebody who is going to be there for the long haul to pair with Shaq. I feel like if the Bills get one more great year out of Jerry Hughes or even an above average year out of Jerry Hughes, you bring back Shaq Lawson and you use pick number 22 to sign a, a, an edge rusher from the draft, I think that defensive line gets remade and the Bills are in a great position for 2020. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. I'm with you on you use the money from Trent Murphy to to resign Shaq Lawson. Shaq also has to want to come back to Buffalo. Uh, for me, no matter what the scenario is, you have to let 
you have to let Trent Murphy go. Um, Murphy's just, he's not living up to his cap number. And if you can get him to drop that, you know, to a very low salary, sure. Maybe, maybe that's what you do is ask him to renegotiate. But um, I, I just don't see why you would keep him on the roster, especially with the amount of money that he makes. So, yeah, that's that's where I am with him. I I was probably I, I probably had gotten there by midseason, and we we did see him step it up at the end of the year. He uh, he looked good against Houston in the playoff game. You know that was that was nice to see. He actually ended up with five sacks on the season, which they, they all came rather late. And he just wasn't an impactful player. And that's really what this group is missing right now. Um, the impactful player in the past had always been Jerry Hughes, who you had mentioned. He's now the elder statesman, and it's tough to know whether he's slowing down or he just didn't quite have the stats that he's had in the past. Um, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, you know, listen, I am forever grateful uh, for, for Jerry Hughes because when the Bills fleece the Colts in that trade and uh, you know they, they swapped uh, you know, disappointing picks out there, Buffalo has gotten the better of that deal you know, since day one. And, and I know Jerry hasn't posted a double-digit sack season in several years. He only had four and a half last year. Only nine hits on the quarterback. I will give him some slack because Jerry Hughes is one of the tougher bills that we have on this roster. He played through a wrist injury the entire year. It's a little concerning that um, the medical staff probably didn't know uh, that he had the wrist injury because he never appeared on an injury report uh, during the 2019 season and he did not miss a game for the eighth straight year. So he's incredibly durable. But that's why I feel like a lot of pressure falls on Jerry Hughes. And if you can bring back an emerging uh, pass rusher and run stuffer in Shaq Lawson and you can tackle this position in the draft, I think that's going to make Jerry better, you know, by adding weapons around him on the defensive line. Gone are the days when Jerry Hughes is going to command a double team uh, on the defensive line and, and, and disrupt and cause havoc like he did his first, you know, two, two and a half seasons in Buffalo. But I feel like, look, Jerry's going to be back whether you, and, and he did cut down on those dumb, you know, we used to have this running joke out there, the penalties, the, the roughing, the, the passer penalties, the unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, the joke out there was there were two Jerry Hughes. There was a Jerry with a J and a Jerry with a G. And the good Jerry was the one with a J, the one who got after the quarterback and was aggressive. The bad Jerry was the one with a G who committed those stupid penalties that just extended drives and kept the Bills defense on the field longer than it should have. Let's hope we get more of the good Jerry with a J in 2020. It does seem like he's mellowing with age a bit, doesn't it? Um, there, there are times he just absolutely lost his mind in the past, and you can tell that he enjoys playing for McDermott and Leslie Frazier, and he he's really gotten his head screwed on straight. Now, part of that may just be maturity. He's He's an old dude at this point. He's in his 30s, and he still is incredibly athletic. And he's a guy that I, I still like coming out of Texas Christian. They thought that he was going to be on the Colts. He was going to be an incredible combination on the opposite side of either Robert Mathis or Dwight Freeney. And it just, it just didn't work out there for him, but boy, has it worked out well for him here in Buffalo. And he signed an extension before the season. So we're going to have him for another couple of years. And I'm happy about that. 
maybe like you said if you bring in a younger player you can you can rotate them out a little bit more there can be some some development without putting too much strain but you know one way or the other this upcoming season we're going to have to see Hughes get his hands on the quarterback more four and a half sacks and nine QB hits that's not up to his lofty standards and he's got to he's got to get back to it he also plays the run surprisingly well for a guy who's listed at 245 he really sets the edge well and you know for most years he's the bills best defensive end uh, against the run despite that diminutive stature so i i'm a fan especially with him keeping his head on um i think he only had what one unsportsmanlike conduct penalty this year a lot less than in the past uh, where yeah, he would just he would have those backbreaking penalties i love the passion i'm i'm with you i think that jerry hughes can be a vital you know part of this defensive end rotation moving forward so it seems like jamie we're in agreement about Shaq Lawson. We're in agreement with, if, again, if the money is right. And there's some really good cap projections that are out there, again, on Shaq Lawson. Um, our very own Matt Warren uh, predicted three years, $26 million with $16 million guaranteed. Those are numbers I can live with with an average yearly contract of just under $9 million per, which, again, would put him right outside of the top 10 uh, when it comes to uh, average yearly salary, you know, leading the way, of course, is uh, Demarcus Lawrence and Frank Clark with 21 million per year. There's a guy though who is going to shoot way past them if he gets his way. And uh, I want to talk real quickly, Jamie, about this. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars use the franchise tag Yannick Ngakwe, um, the very talented former third round pick has never had fewer than eight sacks in a season. Again, the Jaguars applied the franchise tag to him, so if the Bills were interested, they would have to pursue a, a trade for Ngakwe. Um, our very own Anthony Marino did a pretty comprehensive podcast on this earlier this week talking about Buffalo and the merits of trading for a pass rusher. And I want to get real quick, Jamie, your thoughts on if you feel like Ngakwe is someone that Buffalo could go after or should go after because if they do, it's going to cost them not only on the, the finances with probably a contract north of $22 million per year, but Buffalo is going to have to trade very valuable draft capital to go up uh, to Jacksonville and, and acquire this talented edge rusher. Where do you stand on that proposition? The guy's an animal. He's been a great player in Jacksonville, and he's going to make any roster better. And we've just said that the Bills defensive end group needs to get after the quarterback more often. He's the guy to do it. Now to quote Stephen A. Smith, however, <laughs> there, 22 million is a lot of money. And that kind of flies in the face of what Brandon Bean has said that he wants to do, which is to draft well and keep your own players. Now that in and of itself, I don't think would inhibit Buffalo from going after a guy to not only pay that much money, but also give up a high draft pick. So there's a lot of assets going out the door. That This is the kind of move that you make when you're one player away. And Brandon Bean has said, we're way more than one player away. And I agree with that sentiment. You know, if, if you need that one guy to put you over the hump into the Super Bowl, you go out, you, you do whatever it takes to get them. You see that in baseball all the time with trade deadline moves where teams are going all in, right? 
Well, in Buffalo, it's not, I'm sorry, in the NFL, it's not exactly the same way. You don't see those blockbuster deals at the deadline. And a big part of that is because the salary cap is a bit less forgiving and draft picks are a bit more, uh, more valuable than in other sports. So I, my take on this is you don't even consider it. You, you recognize the talent that's out there and what it could do for your roster, but you just can't give away that many assets for a player who isn't the difference between you making the Super Bowl and not making the Super Bowl. That probably still rests with the quarterback, Josh Allen. He is he's such a disruptive force in Gakwe. He's averaged almost 10 sacks a season um, during his four years, 37 and a half total sacks, 14 forth, forced fumbles, which ranks fourth in the league. Um, he's incredibly disruptive and incredibly talented. The only, here, Here's where I stand on this, Jamie. I feel like Brandon Bean, if you're going to make a move like this, you do it for an elite player, a game-changing player, which I don't think there's any doubt that Ngakwe is a game-changing player. He's still only 25, so you'd be getting the best of his football career. You would be getting a player who is clearly motivated he did not want to be in Jacksonville he would be an automatic upgrade um, to this defensive line to the pass rushing game it is a lot to give up and I feel like a lot of this comes down to where they would have to be uh, giving up uh, draft capital and I've seen everything from you know it would be Ngakwe for the second and third round pick of the Buffalo Bills or it would be Ngakwe straight up for pick 22 uh, I don't I don't want to give up pick 22. And I know this is this is the fun with these trades. People don't want to give up a lot to acquire these premier players. But if you look at what deals have been done comparable in the past, I look back at the uh, Frank Clark trade, uh, which was done where the Seahawks basically traded Clark to the Chiefs for a first round pick in 2019, a second round pick in 2020 and a swap of third rounders in 2019. Now, that's a pretty steep price to pay for a guy who is, again, very talented. And you saw Clark help lead the Chiefs defense to the Super Bowl this past season. But I, I'm i torn on this. I love the talent that Ngakwe brings to the table. But if you're talking about this, this regime does not seem like it's the type that wants to bring in an X factor in Ngakwe. I almost view them and, and, and Matt Bynum. I'm giving a lot of love today to our Buffalo Rumbling staff, but um, as you should. Hey, we, we we kick ass and we take names, and there's been a lot of good opinions <laughs> out there. Um, and I did, I was going back, and I saw that Matt Bynum, uh, who is one of the behind-the-scenes editors for the Buffalo Rumblings, uh, had mentioned the comparisons between Buffalo and the Green Bay Packers, where outside of the Reggie White free agent signing, the team doesn't bring in those high-name uh, talents to try to complement what they have. They'd rather develop their own and bring in some under-the-radar free agency signings. And Gakwe would be a huge splash, but I feel like the Bills are more likely to stick with what they know uh, in Shaq Lawson, who has been trending upward, versus a guy who is going to break the bank in, uh, in Yannick Ngakwe, who really is just going to command again. I don't see it being any way he gets less than $20 million, uh per season. It's looking more like 22 or higher per year. So that's a hefty price tag for me, Jamie. I, I, I'm in agreement. That does bad things to your salary cap down the road. And I, I, I think that they're immune to making those bad decisions. We saw what happened with Mario Williams. That didn't work out. That had more to do with the fact that Mario Williams is kind of a bum and doesn't like playing football. But uh, 
you know, he made a difference when he was here, but that was a $20 million contract and that hamstrung the team on a lot of other fronts. So I, I predict, I want them to stay away. I predict they will. And I'm, I'm happy about that. Now there's another defensive end that you loved this past preseason and he started getting in games after about the first month of the season. That was Daryl Johnson. How did Daryl Johnson do this year in your eyes? You know, I think, I mean, he's the only developmental prospect that Buffalo has on the defensive end rotation. Um, and I, I did like him uh, for his athleticism. I liked him uh, for his potential. You know, he's 6'6", 250. Um, he has freakish athletic talents, but his snaps trended uh, downward in the wrong direction in the second half of the season. Um, he really was playing quite a lot the first half, getting more than 20 snaps per game through week eight. But then he had 24 combined snaps over the final eight games of the season. I I don't really know what to expect with Johnson. Like, I feel like, again, raw is the word I would use for him. Um, six foot six, his arm reach, his ability to disrupt is there. But he is very, very raw. He needs to get more snaps and I want to see what this Bills brass does with regards to their seventh round draft pick and what he's able to, to bring to the table. I think he's going to have an opportunity. There's a lot. There's no young talent on this defensive end uh, rotation outside of Shaq Lawson. Again, if we if the Bills bring him back. But I feel like Johnson could contribute. He's got a good ceiling. But man, there's still a lot of progress he's got to make uh, to, to really convince me that he could step up. And, and contribute full-time, but he could be part of the valued rotation of players that we all know Leslie Frazier likes to sprinkle in there. What uh, what about you? What do you feel about the seventh rounder? You know, it, he was interesting because you were right about the athleticism and right about the fact that he was raw. It was very telling that when the Bills sent him to the bench, the run defense improved immensely. And what what teams discovered over the course of the season, and this was especially prevalent in the game against Philadelphia that the Bills were just absolutely dominated on the ground. Um, he was taking a very shallow angle. He was basically crashing to the inside on every run play, which was taking him completely out of any outside run or even off tackle run. And also he was crashing to the inside so hard, he was actually disrupting the path of whoever was playing defensive tackle next to him. That was something that obviously the Bills coaches tried to counsel him out of doing, but it seemed like he just couldn't do it especially in games where, you know, you've got a more mobile quarterback and you rely on your defensive end to go straight up field to perhaps keep the quarterback in the pocket. It just seemed like he couldn't wrap his head around that technique. So he found himself on the bench and the Bills defense improved. That's not a good sign, but he's a young player. I don't think they expected him to be in the lineup too often. And you know, lo and behold, injuries, people get sore, people get tired. They had to activate him and get him in the games. I'm going to be interested to see what he can do going forward with a, a full season of coaching under NFL level D coaches, especially D line coaches. He may be the kind of guy that can be a, a good rotational piece going forward. He's got the athleticism. He's got pass rush. We saw that in the preseason. So let's see if he can pull it together. Um, I, he's the closest I would give to an incomplete grade, even though we saw him out there. Um, 
he's he's got to be better. He may find himself off the roster this upcoming year unless he can get rid of those bugaboos of his technique. But yeah, that's how. I- that's some great breakdown there, Jamie. I, I I appreciate your insights in there and really showing um, that, you know, Johnson, again, why he took a step backwards on the field. And, you know, you can you can have all this athleticism and all this, you know, freakish size and speed, but you got to put it together and put it on tape and, and show the uh, coaches what you can bring to the table. So I feel like Johnson could be one of those guys to keep an eye on uh, as as training camp and rookie mini and, and, and mini camp comes around and all of the different off-season uh, stages that we progress through leading up uh, to the 2020 season. I, I just feel safe in saying, Jamie, that I know the Bills are going to attack this position. Um, whether it's free agency, I would be much more apt to think it's going to be through the draft. Um, but again, I think free agency, here's the thing. The rest of the league knows it. If you want these talented edge rushers and defensive ends, you're going to have to spend a lot of money on it. And whether it's Ngakwe, whether it's Jadavion Clowney, um, who was recently tabbed as being a good fit to go to the Buffalo Bills, or whether it's a guy like a Robert Quinn, or even the forgotten man in uh, Vic Beasley from the Atlanta Falcons, or Jason Pierre-Paul. You know, there are some veterans out there that could help um, without breaking the bank account like an Ngakwe or a Clowney would. But the Bills for sure have to attack this position in the offseason and in the NFL draft because the rest of this roster is set up to win now. So you've really got to improve the guys in the trenches, and I guess we'll see what Buffalo does to uh, to address that position. But Jamie, it's it's been fun breaking down these positions. We'll do we'll do more. Um, you know, I I know I touched on it just recently there with the list of free agents, but we'll do more on the free agent defensive ends in a future podcast as well because I feel like I want to really wrap my head around you know Jadavian Clowney and Robert Quinn and Vic Beasley and JPP and you know even Michael Bennett. There's guys out there, but I feel like we really have given our fans a lot to digest so far with the first part of this podcast. Would you agree with that? I, I do agree with that. And I'm going to I'm going to push you on this once again. If you had to come up with a letter grade for the defensive end group, what do you give them? You know, I would probably fall somewhere around a B uh, grade. Um, I feel like Shaq Lawson, again, was a standout uh, for this position. I feel like Trent Murphy brought the grade down. I feel like Jerry Hughes is he gets credit again for gutting through a season and not missing a game and being one of the leaders on the team. But at some point he's got to step up and give more than four and a half sacks and nine quarterback hurries. So I'll go with a solid B for this unit. How about you? That is exactly my grade. They were better than average, but they weren't a great squad. So a B I think is a very, uh, it's a very apt grade for the, this group, I think. Well, we want to encourage our listeners here of the Believe Podcast, please get involved with us. Give us some feedback. If there's a future topic that you're dying to hear us address, we would love to have you get involved with your feedback by sharing it either on the articles on buffalorumblings.com uh, or if you want to go to social media, you can tag us. Use the hashtag Believe when you tweet at buffrumblings or at the Jamie D'Amico, or myself, John Boccasino. We would love to hear your feedback. Get involved with this podcast. We want this to be about you, the listeners, and what you would like to get out of our conversations each and every week. For my uh, esteemed colleague, Jamie D'Amico, we're going to put a big bow on the podcast, on the big show for this week, and we will sign off, but come back next week for more Buffalo Bills news here on Bill Eve, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. (laughs) 
Right now, businesses are facing tough choices. Do you cut costs or drive growth? Solve for today or build for tomorrow? Do you satisfy your shareholders or satisfy your customers? The answer is yes. You don't have to choose. With the intelligent platform for digital business from ServiceNow, you can say yes to unifying your existing systems and yes to accelerating growth. Visit servicenow.com to see how we can help you put yes to work. The world works with ServiceNow.